Welcome to Youth Can Change the World podcast. My name is Amanda Molinaro. I'm a master's in public health student at Thomas Jefferson University. For my capstone project, I developed a virtual educational workshop series about climate change policy. The workshop resulted in this podcast, which features two local Philadelphia high school students. We started by discussing our own definitions of policy. The students were asked to describe policy in their own words and how they think it affects them. I believe the policy isn't uh, are things that are widely accepted to be like rules, like things that you should follow, but not necessarily laws. Like wearing your mask in public. In some states, it is a law to do that. But in other states where it's not a law, usually people still do wear it because of what's happening right now. So it's like more of a policy to wear your mask than it is a law in some places. Next, the students were asked to share their thoughts on global and international policy. For some people, it would be world peace. Uh, the first thing I thought about was uh, international laws that I know of. Yeah, definitely. You both mentioned war, and I think it's it ties in really well to what I was going to mention. So the United Nations is like a global policy organization, and they actually formed after World War II with the mission of kind of maintaining world peace. World peace kind of seems like an unachievable thing, but everything we can do that makes the world a better place, like contributes to, to that. So, you know, we're never going to be perfect, but at least we're trying. We also discussed the definition of federal policy. The students shared the following thoughts. I would think like law or policies that may be like somewhat enforced by the government. So a good example of federal policies would be the driver license, the documentation to work, the seatbelts and learning how to drive, you know, all that. That was a federal law that was put into place um, in the 80s and it's saved a lot of lives. In the 80s? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I thought that they were around a lot longer. So you're telling me that some random guy in the 70s would just be roaming around without a seatbelt? Yep. Yeah, they were optional for a while. So like some cars had them, um, but there was no requirement that like car um, manufacturers had to put a seatbelt in. Um, So it wasn't until the 80s that it was a a requirement. They didn't have airbags either. What? Yeah, I don't know. So we need, um, you know, we need policies to kind of make sure people are safe and healthy and, and protect people. So they they did not develop any safety from all that time and all the way through the 1980s. Yeah, like almost 100 years. So policy is like always changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to continuously evaluate policy. So like what worked 10 years ago might not be working anymore. And like something like a policy we create today in 10 years from now, it, it might not be working for like, you know, the next generation. So we have to like make sure we're doing with the times. In the next section, we discuss the eightfold method of policy analysis, a theory published by Eugene Bardock in a practical guide for policy analysis, the eightfold path to more effective problem solving. The eight steps are define the problem, assemble the evidence, construct the alternatives, select the criteria, project the outcomes, confront the trade-offs, decide, and tell your story. 
We use this theory to analyze a local Philadelphia policy banning businesses from offering single-use plastic bags to customers. The ordinance was originally passed by Philadelphia City Council in December 2019, but has been delayed due to COVID-19 restrictions. The law will be reintroduced this summer, going into effect in July 2021, be officially implemented in October 2021, and fully enforced by April 2022. The students were asked to share their thoughts about the ban, and we used the Bardock theory to analyze the policy. Um, I've actually heard about this, and my store, when I first started working in my store, I was like, wow, because my store stopped selling tobacco products for uh, air pollution and negative effects it was having on people's health. So instead, mm-hmm. we don't sell cigarettes. We just sell nicotine patches or nicotine gum. So when I found out we were still doing plastic bags, even after the ban, I was like, this is kind of like weird. But then I realized it was because of COVID. Yeah, I still find it kind of nice that they're actually doing that. Because if I'm not mistaken, Save a Lot used to sell those reusable bags. Instead of giving you... um a plastic bag that will give you a reusable bag if you buy it. Like, it's just right there. I was going to say how also uh, also how often it becomes um, what people call city tum- uh, city tumbleweed or just the plastic bags that just fly around the city and just get ruin the environment. Another thing is paper bags can be used as compost. As of October, they're going to start the policy, they're going to say no businesses can offer plastic bags. Um, And there's actually a phone number 311, which is like the city hotline, and you can report businesses. So if they're not following the rule, you can kind of, you know, make sure that they are, and they'll probably get like a fine or something. So that's sort of like the criteria for putting the policy into place. Do you guys think that's fair? Entirely fair. I feel like because of how much most companies like destroy the environment. A small fine for not following the rules is perfectly cool. If anything is not enough sometimes, I feel. We have to get the paper bags from somewhere. And then the thing is that I just now thought of this. Paper bags are made out of paper. Paper are made out of trees. Trees come from forests, which will go back to climate change right. it will be adding on to the climate change while we actually apply the paper bags we will have to at the same time you know replant the trees you know per seed for every tree we cut down yeah so that's a great point because that's actually one of the one of the steps in the policy analysis is considering trade-offs So, you know, we might be reducing plastic, but at the same time, we're cutting down trees. So it's kind of like, no policy is ever going to be perfect, but is it a step in the right direction? Is it like progress? So do you guys think it's, um, it's worth it? Like it's a good choice? I think it's worth it because if the only way it would be worth it, if at the same time, they will establish a law or establish a policy to um, help the environment while bringing the economy. Because what's good for the environment is actually good for the economy. Yeah, and then another thing is that all this good for the environment, good for the economy business actually crosses path with political terms because 
we actually need the cooperation of every single United counselors, you know, mm -hmm. every single leaders of every country to put their part into protecting the environment. The last step of policy analysis is just telling your story. So how can you kind of personalize it and, um, and make it relatable to your own life to inspire people to kind of like agree with you? So do you think that this policy would benefit you like on a personal level? Um, yeah, for real, for real. Yes, it will. They're actually making a step towards doing less pollution. They're trying to take out the plastic bags so that way they don't hurt the environment more than we already have. And that will actually allow some space for the environment to heal itself. And when the and when the air is clean and the environment itself is clean, you'll notice that our lifespan will go a whole lot longer. Makai, do you have any um, like closing thoughts on this policy? Uh, I was thinking about how a lot of people are trying to implement new ways of building architecture because architecture and pollution are two factors to um, depression that people don't typically think about because they're not prevalent aspects of them. Uh, but people found that the area where you live, if it looks more like square, right, rectangle, rectangle, square, rectangle, it looks like that typically are people who live in that area are typically more sad than people who live in places where the buildings look a lot more diverse. And that got me thinking about different building designs. And it also got me thinking about building designs that incorporate trees into them or other plant life because people who live around plant life tend to be less so depressed. See? Yeah, nature makes us happy. We discussed takeaways from our conversation and the students shared how they feel about climate change and what steps we can take in the future to address climate change. The students reacted to a few photos of environmentally friendly images, including a recycling bin, windmills, a bicycle, and solar panels. Uh, the pictures look pretty clean. Like it makes you, the ocean looks blue, even though the ocean is typically not blue when you go in it. It looks blue, so it makes it look healthy. Um, the trees in the background, the solar panels, it makes you feel like the energy that we're getting is clean, see recycling, and you can see that bike right there implying that whoever owns that bike is most likely using it instead of using a car all the time. Well, for me, the only two pictures that make the environment look clean is the one with the windmills and the solar panels. Now, the one with the bike, well, that's just used... That just looks like somebody just put it, cleaned up the garage and just put the bike in there and took a picture. And then the one with the recycling bin, well, it's just a random recycling bin in a random angle. Those pictures mean nothing. Those two pictures right there mean nothing to me. But it actually does remind me that to be able, you know, keep things clean and be physically and mentally healthy, we have to do our part. In the next section, the students share their feedback on how they feel about school and how we can teach kids about climate change. On what you said before about us needing uh, to uh, incorporate it more as a necessity for people to learn, 
but I feel like we need to change how we teach it because we could accidentally do what was happening with um, drug programs where they were trying to get kids to stay away from drugs, but because of a bunch of different factors, kids typically took it the opposite way and were like, I'm not going to listen to the adults or they got bored, they didn't listen at all. Typically, uh, it's more because they teach them about uh, the negatives of what they're doing instead of just teaching them everything. But even just teaching them everything could be bad because school kind of makes people not like to learn sometimes. I like love to learn, but whenever I'm in school, I typically don't. I do research by myself all the time. I know a bunch of random facts. School basically makes everything just like your parents mandatory. Yeah. You do this because that's how you do this. It's like, I have my own personality. I am me, not who you want me to be. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point. I mean, I think we need to make sure that we're teaching things in a creative way. But when it comes to the whole climate change thing, it's like we have to do things right from the very beginning because the older generation left the trash for the younger generation and then for the younger generation and they continued on and on and on. Now we have a whole earth toxic earth uh what i was going to say that i wanted to what people know if i was going to talk to them about climate change was more about um plant life because uh what i've learned about climate change typically is about the oxygen producers which is what we need the most and plant life not the main uh oxygen or yeah not the main oxygen producer actually it's um algae Algae. algae produces okay. a bunch of oxygen for us, but by increasing the temperature of the earth, we kill the algae, which is the reason why coral reefs are dying, because algae is what helps feed the coral reefs, gives them their color and strength. So without the algae, they break down, and because of that, the oceans get even more hot. So I guess to help the oceans, what we will need to start is by helping out on the land. We have to be creative with with solutions and coming up with like different ideas, so... Both really good points. I like your idea, Makai, about um, a building with more plants in it. Overall, like just a, high, a highlight of what we talked about and um, just like remembering the importance of communicating these issues with other people. So like if you could just tell one or two friends, like, you know, the importance of climate change and, and not littering and recycling, like it's it can like have a ripple effect and like create change. So yeah, I hope you guys had fun today. I did. I learned a lot from you guys. Same here. The students shared their final thoughts about the workshop as we wrapped up our conversation. Well, I was going to say that I actually really did like this talk because I um, I wanted to talk about climate change for a while, actually, because we had a bunch of different things we were, uh, at Changemakers, and we mostly just focused on the trash which wasn't a bad thing. I didn't really know that much about trash. So it's a good thing we focused on that because I got to learn more about it, but I also wanted to talk about other things. So uh, that's why I was pretty interested in this. That That's actually it's very cool of you to say that because climate change is actually one of the problems out that there is out here. And it actually connects with the problem that we actually started with. 
I mean, it's a really big topic because there's so many different pieces to it, but it's so important to talk about. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, I hope you guys learned something and had fun and have a good rest of your day. Thank you. you. Have a good day as well. Thank you for listening to Youth Can Change the World podcast. Thank you.